Welcome to the At The Coalface podcast with your host, Jason Greenwood. This podcast is all about what it's really like in the trenches of digital and e-commerce. Mr. Nick, how are you doing today? Happy to uh, welcome you to the podcast. Doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Appreciate it. Uh, you're very, very welcome. It's, uh, I've, I've thought uh, quite a long time about having you guys on, and I finally just uh, pulled finger and and uh, reached out and, and made the invite. And I'm I'm really excited that we're able to make this happen. I know you guys are really busy, and and Finbar was was originally going to join us, and and he had some things he had to he had to take care of. So it's it's awesome to have you here today. Um, for those that don't know who Nick Rauschenbusch is, am I saying that right, Rauschenbusch? You got it. That was brilliant on pronunciation. <laughs> nice. I always I try not to butcher people's names if I can help it at all. Uh, but obviously, you know, uh, co-founder, co-CEO of, of Shogun, and we'll get into a little bit about what Shogun is. Uh, but but it is is very exciting to have you here. And I think um, for me and and for the audience, what what excites me the most about this is is you know you guys have been playing in the e-commerce space for a long time. You've you've got technology that really you know for, for over six years you've been building technology that empowers merchants to do. Uh, new and exciting and innovative things with their customer experience. And then obviously, you know, we can talk a little bit about Shogun Frontend and some of the other things you're working on more recently. Uh, but I, I'm super excited to, to have you here, mainly because you guys really have worked with merchants for a very long time. And you've you've seen the evolution of the e-commerce ecosystem um, spring up around you, particularly with your partnerships with the likes of Big Commerce and, and obviously Shopify as well. And, you know, I think you've got a good cross-section of understanding Understanding around what's happening in the e-commerce space, particularly around customer expectations, and I'm looking forward to, to getting your take on things. So, maybe, maybe as a as a kickoff, maybe because obviously you've got a, an extensive background. Um, you know, you've worked agency space, you've worked uh, in the research space, you've been an investor, and then obviously you know co-founded Shogun. So, maybe you can give us the I guess the elevator pitch um, about yourself and how you came to be in the industry to to kick off. Sure. Thank you so much, Jason. It's my honor to be a, to be a guest on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I'm Nick, uh, co-founder, chief operating officer of, uh, of Shogun. Started Shogun back in uh, 2000 and gosh, 2015 uh, with, uh, with Finbar. Um, Shogun creates software that empowers brands to create extraordinary e-commerce experiences. We've got two products, Shogun Page Builder, which is exactly like it sounds. It's a drag and, drip, drop, drag and drop website builder that is seamlessly integrated into Shopify, BigCommerce, and Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And we also have Shogun Frontend now, which is a end-to-end um, -end platform for headless commerce. Um, it's, uh, it has a robust uh, experience manager, content management system, uh, you know, uh, integrated development tools, and its output is a React.js front end um, that has no load time. And the cool thing about that is that when you have no load time on the e-commerce site, what tends to happen is your average order value goes up, your e-commerce conversion rate goes up. So it's a, it's a pretty cool piece of burgeoning technology. Um, and that's a, that's just a quick overview of, of Shogun and what we got going on from a product standpoint. 
Awesome. That that's such a good intro. Really appreciate that. And and uh, I've got you know I've got some pretty deep experience with Shogun. Obviously, working agency side closely with with Shogun over the years. Uh, you know, I implemented Shogun when I was working merchant side uh, in big in big commerce to give us, I guess, from a merchant perspective, give us the tools that we needed to create those immersive um, page experiences that is difficult to get with a standard WYSIWYG editor. So, have a deep appreciation for what Shogun brings to the table in terms of. Um, I, I guess that that experience layer, right? So you know your blog pages, your in, your info pages, um, the ability to reuse components, the ability to have custom components that instead of having to have a whole page template that that you kind of got to try to to pull bits of code out of that and, and reuse those on other pages. You can have those standard page elements in Shogun, but you know, and, and I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to focus too much on the tech because for me, you know, I never want my podcast to ever be kind of like a sales pitch. It's more about, sure. Hey, bringing people that are experts in their space into the podcast so that we can share from our collective knowledge. And, and I'm, I'm a deep believer in a rising tide floats all boats. And, and I just, I, I think you guys are doing some really groundbreaking stuff. And I guess, I guess from your perspective for the merchants that you're engaging with, obviously, you know, big commerce has now released their own page builder, which, you know, mm -hmm. is, is sort of a baby version of Shogun, if you will. It's, it's definitely yeah. not as mature and advanced to Shogun. Uh, obviously, Shopify has always had a pretty good WYSIWYG editor, but you know, again, doesn't do what Shogun does. And I guess if we if we wind back the clock to when you started Shogun and you were you were looking out at the landscape, was this to scratch your own itch initially, or was it a recognition? Hey, there's not that great of tools in the marketplace around e-commerce platforms that are not CMS focused. So they're not a CMS platform. They're not a content focused platform. They're a commerce focused platform where content to a degree is almost an afterthought uh, and, it, and, it's, and it's ancillary to the commerce experience and supportive of the commerce experience as opposed to the other way around. Whereas if you're obviously in a CMS focused platform, um, the, the, the reverse is true. You get, you get much, much better content tools, much better content experience tools, but then commerce is an afterthought. So what was the original thinking behind Shogun and, and was it to scratch your own itch? That is a brilliant question. And while the creation of Shogun Frontend um, was rather intentional and based on, you know, uh, at that point, gosh, close to five years of looking at the landscape and collecting, you know, various product data um, from page builder usage, Shogun Frontend highly intentionally developed. Shogun Page Builder, however, back in 2015, there was not much thinking. It was actually a very, very happy mistake. And I'll tell you how that occurred. Um, the original pain point was actually Finbar was a software engineer at various startups, not necessarily e-commerce startups, just SaaS startups, right? And these startups, they were building their web applications on frameworks like Ruby on Rails, Node, Laravel, and so on. And Finbar basically uh, constantly was having requests from members of the marketing team and other business side functions asking him if he could make cosmetic changes to the website pages on their Rails app. And so Finbar was basically having to build like a mini version of Squarespace or Wix or Weebly for Ruby on Rails wherever he went.
right? And so that was the original impetus for Shogun Page Builder. Shogun was supposed to be Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, whatever you want to call it, drag and drop, easy peasy website builder for Rails, for Node, for Laravel. Now, we started that in the spring of 2015, but didn't really take. We tried selling to startups, we tried selling to enterprise, and the last group of folks that we tried selling it to were agencies. We talked to this one agency, and they were like, no, we don't really have interest uh, for this, for your Rails inception, but we'll tell you this. We have a bunch of clients that are on Shopify, and Shopify is built on Rails. So if you made your page builder work with Shopify, we would totally have clients for you today. That's when we discovered the Shopify App Store. We integrated our Rails page builder into the Shopify App Store and started to iterate from there. Now, that was in the fall of 2015. When you get to, you know, what was it? Uh, winter 2017, spring 2018, you know, long before that, we kind of realized, okay, there are lots of e-commerce platforms, not just Shopify, but big commerce, Salesforce Commerce Cloud, Magento, and so on and so forth. And so we started to actually bring Page Builder to those platforms. Obviously, Shogun Page Builder exists on big commerce as well, Salesforce Commerce Cloud as well. We tried it out on Magento, didn't find that it was a great fit for that market. But we really expanded Page Builder just off of that original organic use case was that people wanted a Squarespace-esque, Weebly-esque, Wisk-esque style, you know, whatever, Webflow-esque style website builder, but that was natively and seamlessly integrated with their existing e-commerce um, platform. They didn't want e-commerce functionality added to the builder. They wanted to use an e-commerce platform with the builder. So we did that, and then it was really in summer of 2019 that we were looking at all of the data inside of the product, all of the feature requests around the, the page builder product. We were looking at this rising trend of headless commerce, a lot of buzz going on about headless, even back in 2019. And we started to look at some of the Jamstack technology and what that, was, what that performance was doing for companies like West Elm and Lancome. And we started to get an idea for a new product. And so we were rather intentional about building our new product, Shogun Frontend. Page Builder has been one of the happiest mistakes possible, though. Page Builder continues to grow at an amazing clip. As you kind of said, you know, are there native functionality in these platforms that are very similar to Page Builder? Yes. But, you know, an iPhone comes with Apple Maps installed, but a lot of people still download Google Maps and Waze. And so we continue to see very healthy growth, even for Shogun Page Builder on Shopify, on BigCommerce, on Salesforce Commerce Cloud. But I realized that was a lot of info, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get, turn it back to you. Now that that's a that's a great um, uh, you know that's a that's a great way to I guess tell the story um, of Shogun of how it came about and and again it, it very much comes down to that scratching in its scenario that we see repeated time and again in the industry where somebody's got a pain point and they go well look I've solved that for something or you know a reason internally and now we're going to productize this and we're going to turn this into something that everybody has access to and I think that's the story of SaaS I think that's the story of of our industry and terms of platforms 
uh, platform evolution, productization. I think I think that's you know there's a very similar refrain we kind of see across a lot of products in the industry that spring out of that same mindset of hey I have the ability to scratch our own itch. We don't need to go and hire someone. We can build it in house. And yep. then hey oh we we actually recognize this is a problem that many businesses have, and therefore we're going to productize this in such a way that it can be consumed as an app. You know, and and I guess that's the 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 other great. A happy outcome of the move more broadly across the whole industry to SaaS-based platforms, particularly in e-commerce, is that you know those platforms have the concept of apps at their core because of the fact that unlike a Magento or unlike other on-prem platforms, you can't mess with the backend. You don't have access to the server. You can't. Yeah. You know, you can't build logic into the back end. It all has to be done through the front end via APIs and via apps. And as a result of that. You know, as you rightly pointed out with your iPhone, you know, uh, installing an app is as simple as going to the app store, doing a search, finding something that looks suitable, installing it, trying it out. If you don't, you uninstall it and you try something else. And and the major SaaS players from an e-commerce perspective have gone down a very similar path where they've created an ecosystem. They've created app stores that are, you know, single click, click installs um, so you can try things out very low risk. Um, typically, there's trials for most of the apps out there, um, and and it's a great way to dip your toe in the water of expanding the functionality of your platform without going all in on a dev commitment where everything has to be customized. And the the other thing that I like about Shogun is the fact that it's it's geared towards, although it's very user friendly, particularly as you move up, I guess the tiers of availability and functionality within the the core Shogun product, it's really orientated more. Uh, and, and brings a lot of firepower and tooling to developers, agencies, and designers. Uh, so whilst maybe your core narrative or the core mandate when you started the business was, hey, we just want to create a really user-friendly WYSIWYG editor for designers and marketers that they can quickly edit pages, it, it pretty rapidly evolved beyond that to where you added additional tooling that was very you know, dev specific or very, you know, workflow specific or very design specific in the sense that, you know, being able to create the opportunity for designers to create reusable elements that a developer then can create the HTML and CSS around and then and then have those elements to be able to be pulled in and injected into any page. You know, what was the evolution, I guess, of the product beyond a pure sort of consumer grade product into more of a product that could seamlessly fit in with a developer and designer's workflow and an agency workflow? And, and how did that tooling develop over time? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, with Shogun Page Builder, we actually started, I, I think that from day one, because Finbar is a, you know, um, a software engineer by trade, um, he's a you know full stack Rails engineer. Um, he we actually had that custom elements feature in Shogun Page Builder from day one. For those unfamiliar, that's the ability for a developer to go in and to write an HTML templating language um, or HTML, um, CSS, and JavaScript to make completely custom, completely bespoke reusable codeless drag and drop elements. So if basically you go into our page builder, you can see we've got stuff like the image element and the slider element and you know the Instagram feed. But if you look at our out of the box elements and you don't like them because they're not perfect to design spec um, and can't get there with our you know robust um, uh, styling and configuration options, your dev can build those completely custom 
lost moments by writing code, but making them codeless and reusable over and over again, so you can have your own library. And so that was actually in there from day one. We started to build in some of the additional um, tooling and you know the workflow tooling uh, like multi-site cloning and syncing, right? That which you know supported staging environments, but also uh, multi-site for internationalization purposes, right? Um, and some of the user permissions um, and um, you know version control and things like that as we went along to support those design development um, and team collaboration workflows. It really started to, um, you know, the focus on a balanced um, experience, one that is both accessible um, to marketers, merchandisers, branders, people who do not know how to code, but flexible for um, software engineers, developers, really started to become very apparent in the second product, Shogun Frontend right, where you have a much more grown up version of our custom elements feature, where, um, you know, an integrated development environment that allows developers to write JSX, you know, a React templating language, um, and CSS um, to similarly create completely custom sections of content that can be made codeless and reused over and over again by non-technical team members in the experience manager, which is, you know, uh, comparable uh, to page builders editor, um, but more, you know, enterprise grade and, you know, quote unquote, grown up in Shogun Frontend. And in Shogun Frontend, we also know that developers and agencies sometimes would prefer not to develop in an integrated development environment, but instead to develop locally. And so we have made that possible, um, you know, with, uh, with some local development workflows and integrations as well. Um, and so we've always really considered there to be, um, two core personas that we want to focus on the you know the non-technical uh generally the marketer the merchandiser the brander the client um themselves if you're you know if you're an agency uh, looking from the agency perspective and a devx experience right developer experience um for the agency or the in-house developer Fantastic. That's that. That makes complete sense in terms of, I guess, the roadmap of the the platform, and then also the that that leads to the the, the front end. Now, if we if we look at the evolution of the, of the headless space, you know, I've made no bones about the fact that I'm a I'm a pretty staunch headless detractor in the marketplace. I I I, I don't I don't believe that the the headless market is where it's ultimately going to get to. I think it's probably got a future in, in say five to 10 years time, but I don't believe at the moment. And, you know, this is just me being honest. I I think that the vast majority of engagements that I see today with merchants that are, have an e-commerce focus, uh, it is far too complex. It's far too compact, uh, expensive. It's far too time consuming, um, to get live in a, in a full endless, uh, end to end headless environment. Uh, and I've made no bones about that, but, you know, setting setting sort of personal opinion and, and I guess market experience aside for the moment, you've obviously gone down the, the headless route, which is awesome. You've added tooling that allows, uh, you know, support for a full headless environment. Uh, however, maybe you can speak to a little bit around the headless front end architecture that you guys have built out. When we look at the market, there's several different, um, I guess, approaches to headless. Mm -hmm. There's 
you've got the headless commerce component, then you've got the headless CMS component, then mm -hmm. you, you know, you've got like the contentfuls of the world, you've got the big commerces of the world for the, the headless commerce component and a contentful for a headless CMS component. And then, you know, most, most uh, headless developments that I've seen become common in terms of design patterns are you'll go out and you'll build a, you know, a, a pure React front end, say, for example, and then merge it all together and use something like Gatsby to do your deployment sure. and CI you know, um, process. Uh, and then you'll use something say like Netlify to host that, that actual front end mm -hmm. so pushes it all out in a merged way into a Netlify environment for your front end hosting. And one of the things that, that I've seen in the market is that that kind of flies in the face in many respects of the move to SaaS across the industry. Cause now we've actually gone backwards We're we're now, we've now got an environment where you don't have a SaaS front end. You now have a completely custom built React front end that then has to be hosted in a standard hosting environment, uh, much like we had to do with on-prem and Magento back in the old days. And so, you know, you lose, I guess, uh, in, in a full headless environment, you lose some of the benefits of an all-in-one monolithic SaaS e-commerce platform. Uh, you lose some of the agility, you lose some of the speed, you increase the cost, and, and then mm -hmm. you have the hosting and infrastructure complexity associated with that, plus multiple system admins to manage, right? Um, you know, for the merchant, the merchant has to, to, to manage content in something like a contentful and they've got to manage commerce and something like a big commerce. So there is, you know, this added complexity when you start building out a headless stack composed of multiple separate but integrated components. So when you, when you looked out at the landscape and you said, hey, this is how headless is kind of being done today, we see a gap in the market for something that's better. Um, what does your architecture look like? And are you really thinking about, hey, we not only replace, uh, say, a contentful, but we also replace the whole custom React front end. We're an all-in-one, sort of almost thinking of it like a SaaS uh, front end where we're a, a CMS, we're the front end experience layer and the hosting environment for all of that all in one platform. So can you help us understand, you know, what was the impetus for going into the market and then your core architecture of Shogun front end? You got it. And that is, uh, I mean, uh, obviously I think you and I are in strong agreement here. Um, and, uh, I think that our, our, um, you know, uh, hypotheses or, th or theses or whatever are, are quite aligned. Right. So let me, um, let me give you some insight into, into what occurred, um, in our heads in 2019. Um, you got a lot of users on page builder. I think today we're coming up on, it's gotta be close to 20,000 something paying users, right? Spans the entire spectrum, prosumer, SMB, um, mid-market enterprise, including, uh, you know, the, the hot D to C's that are, you know, just have crazy growth curves all the way up into fortune, fortune 500, even fortune 100 companies have built out aspects of their front end, their visual merchandising layer, their web pages in Shogun page builder, right? 2019, they're making a bunch of feature requests. A lot of them are related to more complex content management and experience management use cases. What do I mean by content management? So you notice how Shogun Page Builder has that multi-site cloning and syncing feature. So we started to actually build some of these features in. It was because a lot of the advanced clients, they actually operated you know, in maybe a dozen different locales, meaning that they wanted to have a localized, often translated site for each of the locales that they were operating with. 
Now you can imagine the headache that comes with managing content for a dozen different locales, right? You know, that's something that, uh, that really like Contentful or Sanity or Prismic is well set for. But Shogun Page Builder, not so much, right? Shogun Page Builder is a lot more like Wix or Weebly, but they wanted that type of functionality in Page Builder. They also wanted to do things experience-wise that were a little outside of the bounds of Page Builder's capability or even Shopify's architecture. They wanted, you know, these experiences that were more akin to Apple.com, you know, the Apple Store, than to the debut theme on Shopify, right? So they're starting to really push the limits of what Shogun Page Builder can do, even on top of Shopify or on top of BigCommerce. And that I'll kind of bucket as one of the three core driving factors for why we created Shogun Frontend is that mid-market enterprise content management, experience management, digital asset management type of use case. Number two, you have the popularization of headless architecture, right? And this is something that BigCommerce did a very good job of championing. And Shopify also have, has followed suit, right? Because they're going and pushing a lot of Shopify Plus into mid-market enterprise. And so they want to be flexible and competitive. So they start to offer headless, right? And so we're going out and we're, we're singing the praises of headless. And there are, there are a couple, right? You know, rich, you can craft rich visual merchandising experiences, right? You can um, conduct advanced content management, leveraging these uh, best-in-breed headless third-party developer-based content management systems. And you know what? You can leverage this new technology, progressive web application technology that is uh, made possible by the Jamstack that will effectively make it so that your, you know, website functions more like a native mobile application, primarily in that, you know, that instant load after the initial load. Having your site load instantly, especially on mobile for brands that are heavily mobile, this is a game changer. Because when you have the site load instantly, all of a sudden your bounce rate drops, your AOV goes up, your conversion rate goes up. But those are the three core value propositions of Headless, right? Again, robust, um, uh, visual, visual merchandising experiences, advanced content management, and unparalleled performance, all made possible by headless commerce. Get on the headless bandwagon, right? But what is headless, Jason? Now, you know this because you are quite technical. Headless is an e-commerce platform backend. We'll call that the body, right? And then an API and SDK layer on top of that. We'll call that the neck, right? And then, drum roll, nothing. Whatever you want, you choose. Nothing's there, hence headless, right? Now, at this moment, probably a lot of merchants are like, uh, say what? I don't know what an API and SDK layer is. And what am I supposed to put there? Isn't there some piece of software that goes there? There can't be nothing there. And so that was kind of our recognition of the opportunity. Let's build a head for headless. And it only got sweeter when we actually looked at one of the most compelling headless use cases. 
you know, because a lot of folks, what are they going to put there? Now you could go and, you know, you could put WordPress on top of big commerce and Hey, that's, you know, a, a headless architecture, right? I mean, you know, not by maybe a developer's definition, but you know, in the, in the e-commerce industry, you know, it's a head way to do headless. Hey, you could, you could do SAP Hybris with Adobe experience manager on top an enterprise grade DXP. That's kind of like a headless architecture, I guess you could go true headless and just completely custom code the front end. And one of the most particularly interesting flavors of headless doing a progressive web application build. But what, and this is interesting, of course, because of the speed. You again, drop all the load time from the site, your conversion rate shoots up, your AOV shoots up, et cetera. But what does it take to actually build a progressive web application um, headless architecture? It involves stitching together six different components. First, you have to have a JavaScript library, um, you know, that you, uh, that you uh, sorry, framework, JavaScript framework, that you code the web application. And that could be like react.js or view.js. Now to prefetch all that content in that initial load to get that really cool trick, you gotta use a server-side rendering framework like gatsby.js or next.js. Now you're headless, you're responsible for your own CDN. So you have to go and set up Netlify or Vercel or Fastly or Akamai. If you want any ability to edit any of your content or manage any of your content without having to manually dig into the code, you have to integrate a headless content management system like a Contentful, a Prismic, or a Sanity. Now, in order to stitch your headless implementation onto your platform, you need middleware that sits at the API SDK layer, pulling up all the data from the e-commerce platform backend into your front end. Now, some of this is really complex because PWAs, they serve the entire site in one go as flat file HTML. What happens if it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Your inventory is going to be out of date, right? Pretty quickly because it's plummeting. So you have to go and use service workers to fetch that data from the e-commerce platform while still keeping performant. And then the big kicker, what about all those amazing third-party applications? Klaviyo, Yapo, Okendo, Recharge, et cetera. How are you going to integrate it all? with all of them. You can't the normal way using an API call because that's gonna cancel out your games from PWA. So you have to go write middleware for every single one of those third-party app integrations to pull that third-party data from the third-party app into the CMS to serve it out the front. Now, if you're a marketer or merchandiser or a brander, you stopped listening to me like 15 minutes ago because all of this just sounds crazy and super technical. All of that Jamstack tech, those six different pieces of tech that I just named, my thesis, you know, Shogun's thesis, is that what merchants really want is, uh, all of that's great, Nick, but when I push the button to publish the site, does it load instantly? I don't care about which server-side rendering framework it is. I don't care about what my CDN is. I don't care about this or that or all these different technical components. Does my site now load instantly? Am I seeing a de decrease in bounce, an increase in AOV, and an increase in sales? And that's what we did. We made it literally, took all that tech, we productized it. But that's not all. We also knew that merchants wanted the other whole part of Headless, the value prop besides performance, is content management. And we knew from PageBuilder that these larger merchants, they wanted a much more robust solution for you know, experience management, AKA grown up company page building and content management.
They wanted something like Contentful or Prismic for their sites, but those pieces of software are very much developer CMSs, schemas of data. They don't give you that page builder type experience where you can build codelessly. And so Shogun Frontend's core components are a drag and drop visual experience manager. We have a content management system inside of the software native, right? Our own little mini version of Contentful or Prismic. We have an integrated development environment that again, makes it so that developers can create these reusable, codeless, completely custom perform, um, uh, content components and a whole bunch of uh, you know workflows and other amazing features for managing your site content in a codeless manner, in a highly visual, highly codeless manner. And of course, it's, it's what it produces when you hit that publish button is a react.js frontend served as flat file HTML that doesn't have load time after that initial load. So that's what we built. Amazing, mate. So if, if I guess if we put this in the context of maybe people out there that are, you know, looking and investigating headless, or maybe they've come across the mock alliance, or they've heard the term Jamstack, or they've, you know, they, they see the evangelism of the likes of commerce tools in the market, or some of the other, you know, hardcore zealots around headless in the market, because let's face it, 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 it feels like a religion. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's the, the people that are pro, you know, pro headless are pretty, you know, pretty vocal about their, uh, you know, disdain for monolithic environments. Uh, so if we were to sort of, you know, take the outcome of that, which is that a lot of business leaders are starting to ask their e-com managers, they're starting to ask their marketing teams, they're starting to ask their dev agencies, they're starting to ask their marketing agencies, they're starting to ask, what, is, what the hell does this headless thing mean? And maybe they've even heard you know, maybe they've even heard of, of of some of the brand names, the Prismix, the Contentfuls of a of a headless CMS, and maybe they've heard some of the brand names around CID, CICD environments like the Gatsby's. Maybe they've heard of React, maybe tangentially because they keep hearing that word pop up, so they understand. You know, the front end componentry can built be built out in React. Um, but if if we were to look at your product through their lens, then would it be safe to say? Uh, and I know you're going to say this, it's probably much more than this, but at a bare minimum that effectively your one interface and one platform can replace something like a Prismic, it can replace a Gatsby, it can replace a Netlify, and effectively you have sassified the entire stack to where when someone engages with you on a Shogun front-end subscription, they get the development environment, they get the content environment, they get the admin back-end, they, the, they get the deployment uh, and, and, and code management uh, layer, uh, and then they get the, the front-end hosting environment all in a single subscription through, through you guys. You got it. You, you, you got it. I think you put it very, very well. And it's like, you know, my thesis, you know, and Shogun's thesis, our thesis is, is like this. Um, E-commerce platforms are great, right? But as you kind of mentioned, you know, um, platforms sometimes, you know, because they are monolithic, they include everything, they can be a little rigid, right? And when your business is growing, um, sometimes you start to need more than the platform has natively. Um, I don't believe that e-commerce platform, I don't believe that e-commerce clients should throw out their platform backend if their limitation is on front end, right? Instead, what I really believe is that you can get a lot of the benefit of headless 
composable commerce, decoupling, whatever you want to call it, right? By simply creating two different platforms. One, your e-commerce platform, Shopify, BigCommerce, Salesforce Commerce Cloud, um, uh, Magento, et cetera, that are amazing at so many things, especially things that are all about the back office, all of running an e-commerce business, truly platforms for that, right? I mean, Shopify even goes into hardware and 3PL, all this type of stuff, right? And that's great. But there is an opportunity in a second platform to exist that just controls the visual presentation layer. You know, and that's what we do. With the exception of the checkout, Shogun Frontend covers everything that the shopper can see, right? Obviously, we don't go into the weeds. We don't do reviews. We don't do email. You know, we don't do all the things that our amazing, you know, third-party application, um, you know, partners uh, do. But we basically are a platform for the experience layer. And I believe that when you go just to that level of, de of, that, of decoupling, right, at that point, you get at least 80% of the benefit, right? 80-20 rule. 20% of the effort decouple the, you know, the, the front end and back end in these two platform system, you get 80 or maybe even 90% of the benefit, right? Now, if you take it a step further and you go to composable commerce or really into these fully decoupled architectures, and just for those who are listening who maybe are unfamiliar, fully composable means that basically you would take a platform like Shopify, hit it with a hammer, crack, and all of its main core features become separate little pieces of software, right? Each one all interconnected, but each one for, you know, doing their own specialized job. That level of decoupling, a little, little too much for most merchants, right? For enterprise clients, ones that are doing hundreds of millions, potentially billions in revenue, have highly complex use cases. They need to have fine-grained control over their server-side rendering framework, their CDN, their PIM, their this, their that. I think they're great. I think there's absolutely a market for composable commerce, for microservice-based architectures. I think it's quite far up market, right? I think that down market, when you're prosumer, the lower end of SMB, right? I think monolithic platforms are a perfect fit. Go just use Shopify. You know, I hope you use Shogun Page Builder as well to augment a little bit of it. But you're, you know, you're good with that or big commerce and Shogun Page Builder, right? But for mid-market enterprise, merchants that are really starting to go, holy smokes, I'm now at a million in annual GMV or I'm tens of millions, I'm 100 million, 200, quarter billion dollars in GMV. It's kind of like you're in this spot, again, where you're not so complex that you need to go fully composable commerce, fully headless, fully decoupled, but you're outgrowing a monolithic rigid platform. And so what you need is a, you know, this two platform type system is gonna give you a lot more of the flexibility and you still get to stay with your amazing e-commerce platform. Um, and there's no need for you to migrate or move around or anything because Shogun plus Shopify or plus BigCommerce has really is, is at that point fulfilling all of your needs. Makes makes a lot of sense. So really, you know, from you know through the lens of Shogun, you know, if you're if you're uh, you know an SMB, most likely Monolithic is going to be a, a great fit for you, and it's probably going to allow you to grow and scale to a fairly significant level. You know, mid enterprise all the way up to you know uh, mid enterprise up to larger enterprise. 
that's where something like Shogun Frontend starts to make a whole lot of sense, combined with you know your e-commerce engine of choice, uh, your catalog engine of choice. And then obviously above that, then we're starting to get into full custom end-to-end, -end, you know, solutions that are bespoke effectively, uh, where you've got, you know, microservices layers and you've got, you know, the, the full individual components and and microservices-based integration, et cetera. So that, that makes sense in terms of, I guess, your positioning in the market. Now, if we start to think a little bit more about, you know, one of the challenges, I guess, of a fully composable commerce architecture versus, say, a monolithic architecture is the fact that, as you, you start with a clean sheet of paper. And what that means is, is that, so for example, if you're looking at a big commerce or a Shopify, they provide out of the box, they provide a homepage, they provide a, a collection or category page, they provide a product page, they provide a cart page, a checkout page. They provide the framework, the bones of, you know, significant chunks of the site. And then they provide a theming engine on top of that that allows you to customize those pages uh, through JavaScript and through their own theming language. Um, and it allows you to, I guess, start, instead of starting from a clean sheet of paper, for example, in a, in a big commerce environment, say, for example, with, with enterprise and you're using their native faceting, you know, on the category pages, you've got the native faceting surfaced through the theming engine, uh, through Stencil. And as a result of that, you don't need to build that. You don't need to build that from scratch. You don't need to build your category pages from mm -hmm. scratch. Um, and, and I guess that is one of the challenges that, as you've alluded to, that especially mid-enterprise businesses face is when they start going down the headless route, okay, well, not only do we have to build the entire front-end experience layer from a content journey and a, and a buyer journey and a shopper journey perspective, but we also need to recreate from scratch all of the out-of-the-box commerce experience plumbing that those monolithic platforms just provide out of the box. So we've got to start from scratch. We have to build our homepages. We have to surface the elements on the homepage that we want. We have to surface the product cards there and all the rest and the add to cart function. We have to, on the, on the category pages, we've got to build all of the category page functionality and the filtering functionality. And then we've got to build out the custom search functionality and results pages and what those look like. Basically, in, 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 we're starting from less than zero in a in a headless, a full end-to-end -end headless environment, and therefore that's what increases the cost and complexity, as you've alluded to. So, I guess my question to you is around front end. Presumably, you've got some templates. I'm guessing that uh, you know some some out of the box themes or templates or components that recreate those core commerce and content components and pages and blocks so that you're not starting less than zero. You're actually starting from at least zero or at least where you would with a monolithic environment, but you've done some pre-integrations, I'm guessing, with the likes of BigCommerce and Shopify and Magento and Salesforce Commerce Cloud to where you can easily or more easily bring in some of the commerce experience components into the front-end environment without having to go and, and, and rebuild from scratch. Am I understanding that correctly? You are understanding that correctly. Shogun Frontend comes with middleware out of the box for Shopify, for big commerce. Um, I think we're currently working on it for Salesforce Commerce Cloud. We'll also extend to uh, Magento and Hybris um, in relatively short order. Um, and just so you know, we'll actually, we will plan, fully plan to go partner um, with um, with true headless platforms like Commerce Tools, um, like, um, you know, like Elastic Path and Swell and, and, you know, and companies of that nature as well. Um, but yes, we do come with middleware out of the box. That middleware does automatically pull stuff like your product information, your product catalogs and everything into our native CMS. Um, in addition to that, um, you know, initially, 
uh, folks were actually starting from scratch, completely blank slate in Shogun front end. And that was one of the most painful things for the, the most early uh, clients and, uh, and service providers, agencies who were doing these implementations. Well, it was, it was literally uh, getting a blank, a blank sheet of paper. And everyone knows that that can be one of the most intimidating things, right? And here you're going from, you know, if you're coming from, uh, from Shopify, um, you know, you're usually, you got those, uh, those uh, out of the box, you know, sometimes default um, uh, themes like debut, right? Um, uh, you know, that have the, have all the, all the liquid and, and, uh, and CSS and, and, you know, JavaScript and so on there for you. Um, or if you're a big commerce guy, you know, you got one with, uh, with stencil as the HTML templating, uh, framework. Um, so we created our own, um, starter kit, you know, our own starter theme. That's not so, wouldn't be so dissimilar from something like, uh, Shopify's debut theme, except for the fact um, that uh, that we're doing a fundamental change on the language, right? Going from uh, HTML templating language like Liquid to JSX, which is a React.js templating language, um, as uh, as well as CSS. So yes, we now also have a starter kit, which is effectively a theme, so you don't have to start from scratch. Middleware does come out of the box, and the other integrations, of course, with Clavio um, and um, and uh, Okendo and Yapo um, and all of those uh, all of those third-party apps that you love using also come out of the box with Shogun Frontend. Um, you know, we built uh, a lot of them quite rapidly, and we're now uh, going back over them to do a nice smooth pass on productizing the integration experience. But yeah, all of this stuff comes ready to go out of the box. Awesome. And so help us help me understand, you know, obviously Shopify and Big Commerce, they've got their own app stores. And for example, with the Clavios and the Yotpos of the world, they've got the native apps that just plug in directly into the commerce platform. Um, and you know, they they surface some components, but more importantly, they share data. So they share catalog data, they say uh, they share purchase data, et cetera, et cetera. So what in your experience, obviously if if you're using a Shopify or a Big Commerce today, and you have those those apps available in the app store that that have that pre-built integration directly into the commerce platform what is the added advantage of you guys building out your own custom integrations to those platforms instead and independent of the commerce system uh you know app framework is it so that someone who for example comes to shogun to start with that um wants to build a React-based front end and who maybe for the moment isn't yet doing commerce, but they have a vision down the track of maybe doing commerce, but they already start, they start, they want to already start uh, collecting subscribers through Clavio and they want to start uh, maybe getting some testimonials about customer experiences and the like. Is, is that why you're building out your own native integrations with these third-party tools and systems so that someone who doesn't come to the table with an existing commerce platform, with existing integrations with those systems, that, that hey, we're going to enable that independent of the commerce platform? Is that really why you focused on those native integrations so heavily? That is a great question. The reason why we focus so much on integrations, um, first of all, is because we have to. Right, you know, these integrations, uh, you know, often manifest on the visual presentation layer, whether that is, uh, you know, a set of reviews or an email collection form or something like that. So it requires that we basically have those components and their integration to the third party provider available in the Shogun front end architecture, right? Anything that has visual 
presentation on the website has to be integrated. Now, stuff that's just going directly to the back end, you got something, you know, some QuickBooks integration to help you with accounting, that's not really necessary for us to integrate with, right? Um, you know, but, um, but anything that has presence on the visual presentation layer. Now, why are we doing this and why, where is it something we're kind of helping merchants up level? Well, here's the thing, as wonderful as all of those third-party integrations are in the Shopify app store ecosystem and the big commerce ecosystem, they're actually one of the reasons why e-commerce websites are slow. And that's not their fault. And it's not the e-commerce platform's fault either. It's actually fundamental in the architecture in two ways. Number one is when you integrate those third-party applications, when you are loading a page, right? When you're doing a click on an e-commerce website, those pages, when you're using something like Shopify or BigCommerce or any e-commerce platform are generated dynamically. That means that someone clicks a button and, hey, whoa, new page is loading. We got to go call Shopify. And, oh, wait, hold on. Let's call Yapo. Let's call Klaviyo. See, go pull together all the information that we might need from these various, um, you know, uh, systems to compile this web page, right? And those API calls, they cause slower load time. So, again, it's no one's fault. That's generally just how most websites work, right? Very few websites are, you know, are, are like they were back in whatever it was, the 1990s, where it's all just static and it's all flat file HTML blazing fast, right? But today's websites, they've got all of these third-party apps, these plugins, these pieces of software. That requires API calls, right? Unless you have gone to this length, like we have, of writing middleware for every single one of them to make the integrations performant, to not generate an API call upon page load, but to instead do something like run a background job to those third-party apps, pulling the data necessary into our content management system so this, the data already lives in our system. We don't need to generate an API call on page load. We've already got the data right there. We can serve it right out the front, right? No API call required. The second thing that actually about all these integrations, and it's so wonderful to be able to be like, oh my gosh, I've got an idea. Oh, here, there's an app for that. Let me try it out on my Shopify store, my e-commerce store. That's cool, right? But every time you are installing an application, a lot of those applications are actually injecting code into your theme file, right? And so what happens? We end up getting bigger theme file sizes. Now, more lines of code, bigger file size, that's going to take longer for the page to load. Now, the unfortunate thing is you try an app, you end up not liking it, you uninstall it, the app actually doesn't have the ability to clean up after itself and remove the code from your theme files. So over time, your theme files end up accumulating what we call zombie code, right? It's not doing anything for your site. What it's doing is bloating your theme file, making your site slower and slower and less performant. And that requires developers coming in and basically doing these theme overhauls. And you see it time and time again. I've heard a lot of developers, they go, oh, hey, I can make a site load crazy fast. I'm going to go buy something like a completely custom premium theme. I'm going to strip all the guts out of it. I'm going to have this thing clocking super fast. But then you go check it out, you know, three, six months later, it's way slower. Why? What happened? Theme files got bloated. A part of that was because of app code. So again, um, there was an opportunity for us to kind of say, hey, you know what? We're specialists in front-end technology. 
let's go and figure out all of the the ways that we could make um, this ecosystem of wonderful apps highly performant in addition in addition um, in addition to being um, uh, highly usable. Awesome. I've got, uh, we're sort of getting close to the end of our time together and I, I don't want to infringe upon your time more than I already have, but I've got two final, I guess, questions that I think will hopefully help the audience understand a little bit more about not only the way your system works, but the way that the general web works uh, mm -hmm. and how they can, I guess, start to think about ways in which they can take advantage of the way the web works. And so I guess if we use the use case of, say, um, a, you know, a reviews platform, whether it's Reviews.io or Yachtpo or FIFA or whoever, um, and, and if you, so today, if I go and I install a, a Yachtpo in, in BigCommerce, say, for example, and I install the app, what the the integration, the out-of-the-box integration, I should say, is effectively going to be a JavaScript widget that gets injected on the product page that automatically, it, it effectively functions like an iframe at the bottom of the page. You can style it, you can theme it to match your themes and you match your brand, but ultimately, as you say, in real time, as the page loads, it goes to the, to the, to the API and it fetches those reviews relevant to the SKUs on that page and it displays those, right? And it displays any responses, maybe it displays, um, you know, visual reviews, videos, whatever it is that the platform supports, it then will display that in, in, in a little box effectively as part or a component of the page. Now that, as you say, the challenge with that is a, you, you can exert very little control, I guess, over the, the full styling and the, the interaction experience unless you go a full integrated route, a custom integrated route. Um, but even in a custom integrated route, you still are having to pull from the API in real time to pull the data, compose and merge the data, and then display the data. So it does slow the page down. And obviously there are uh, SEO ramifications in the native approach as well. So the native integrated approach where it's effectively an iframe, because that content is not part of the HTML of the page until it's generated and injected on the page, it's not something that's part of the static page. So when Google goes and fetches it, they're not seeing the review content, right? And that, that's the native integrated approach. And that's why some brands will go down the, the path of a custom integrated approach where it is, you know, it is a native part of the page and it's, it's prefetched. And so when they spider the site and they pull up the page, they're actually going to pull that content because it is generated on the fly and it is embedded as part of the native page code and the native page content. So there's kind of, even in a monolithic world, there's kind of two different approaches to getting those types of integrations up and running. The quick and dirty is you use the out of the box integration, but there are downsides. There's extreme upsides in speed and, and getting to market quicker and, and the ease of, of effort. Then there is the downside of SEO and some of the other downsides and page performance and the like. Uh, so you go with a custom integrated approach and maybe do some prefetching and some other wizardry that allows you to speed up and have native page content. So just speaking specifically about reviews, that's the two different approaches you typically take. Um, and what you're saying is, is that with your front end and your native integration to something like a Yapo or Reviews.io, yeah. you're going to, on a cron job, say, for example, 10 times a day or whatever it might be, you're going to actually go and you're going to fetch for that brand across their entire catalog. You're going to fetch the latest reviews. You're going to store it in your own content database. You're going to merge that into the correct pages. You're going to you're going to load those as effectively fully loaded, fully composed static pages so that when they are retrieved from the server, they are as if they were a fully embedded, fully, fully natively uh, drilled down piece of HTML on the page. Um, am I understanding that correctly? 
Yes, to my understanding, you are. Provided that I, you know, I'll give the disclaimer, I'm not a software engineer. But yes, the way that you described it, I believe is exactly how our software works. Um, and, and, you know, and I'll note there that yes, you're right. You know, and it's something it's, uh, I would say that it's more than that many times a day. It might be every, you know, I don't know. I, I, I actually don't know. I could go ask one of our engineers, whether it's every five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Right. Um, but to be clear, you know, there are some moments where you will have gotten a new review, but it won't show yet because again, PWAs serve the whole site as flat file HTML, right? And, you know, with reviews, it's okay if, you know, it's, there's a whatever, you know, it's going to, uh, there's going to be a little bit of delay with that next review showing up. But then we make sure that if it's something that requires that things be kept in real time, that those, those middleware integrations have, you know, something like service workers. So that your inventory, um, which is obviously very important uh, to not be showing inaccurate inventory status, um, is kept completely up to date in real time. Great. So obviously, where available, you're integrating effectively with with webhooks of those remote platforms. So you've got a listener that you're listening on the webhook, and hey, there's a there's an event that's happened, a publication event. We're going to pull that in instead of having a poll job by API that runs on a cron job every five minutes, ten minutes, every hour, whatever. We're now going to be listening in real time to those external events so that we can take action on those events as and when they occur. That, that is my, my understanding as well. Cool, okay. Now, um, I guess um, if we look at, if we look into the future of of the, the modern internet and we, we look at what might be coming down the pipe. Obviously, microservices is you know a, a buzzword. Headless is a buzzword. You know what are some of the things you're seeing coming down the pipe uh, from a from a commerce perspective in the market? That you know what are some of the trends you're starting to see emerge other than headless that you guys are already starting to think about, that you're already perhaps starting to think about, we need to integrate this into to Shogun front end or into, into the Shogun page builder. What are some of the emerging trends that you're seeing that you, you know, with your finger on the pulse every single day across thousands of merchants, what are the types of things you're seeing evolve in the marketplace? Obviously, I think that there's, there's a lot going on um, in terms of, technologies and practices for driving greater loyalty. Um, and I think that really fostering brand loyalty um, through experience or through um, things like subscriptions um, is a major trend. And this is kind of goes into this, again, I don't want to say anti-Amazon because I know that there's a lot of brands that are omni-channel and Amazon is part of their strategy, right? But trying to create that direct consumer relationship in a way that is highly loyal to the brand. Obviously, another trend is just the ever-increasing rate of mobile commerce. Um, I think, it, what is it? It's got to be like 50% or more of e-commerce now is mobile commerce. And so all of the behaviors um, that um, the consumers are performing on their phone um, uh, and, and kind of the intersection of commerce with social for example, is just an, another really fascinating place to watch right now, um, including, uh, you know, gosh, I mean, video, right? You know, you're seeing partnership between Shopify and some of these video platforms or Shopify between these various e-commerce platforms and video platforms. And coming up, hopefully, on post-pandemic world here, realization for a lot of these brands who had um, 
you know, mostly were brick and mortar reliant um, or even, you know, brick and mortar reliant on distributor partnerships are now realizing that, hey, we over indexed on being, you know, on being partners with, um, you know, with uh, with companies like Target or Walmart or Sephora or what have you um, when that when that foot traffic got cut down. Right. You know, at the at the start of the pandemic and that really spurring this uh, recognition across the board of we got to you know, we got to control our own channels as well, our direct to consumer channels. You know, for a lot of these big established brands that all they do is sell through these brick and mortar distributors. I got a lot of calls, um, you know, last uh, summer about holy smokes, all of our product on our website, which we barely even use or promote, got sold out within a matter of days. Right. So an even greater focus on D2C in a very healthy, organic type of way. What other trends? I mean, gosh, I could I could probably ramble on and on. I think that, um, again, 2020 and 2021 have been really um, this incredibly uh, tragic time for the world and an impactful time for e-commerce, right? Kind of like the fast forward button on e-commerce was pressed down and held down, um, bringing everybody even deeper into these um, e-commerce behaviors. And um, and yeah, you're seeing a lot of those behaviors are not unlearned even um, now that thankfully it's safe to go out again, right? E-commerce has just increased and kind of hit a new level across the board. So yeah, we'll kind of, we'll kind of leave it at that. Great. No, really appreciate that. One final question, um, and and then we can, you know, I'll let you get back to your busy day. Um, uh, what I'm seeing as a trend, and maybe you can confirm this through either Shogun Data or you, you guys, you might just know it off the back of your head. But I, what I'm seeing is um, an absolutely radically accelerated um, demand for B two B e commerce. And, and it's actually growing from what I'm seeing in the market, the demand for it is actually growing faster than perhaps traditional B2C commerce. And then as a tangential offshoot of B2B commerce, we're seeing D2C commerce grow exponentially as well, probably faster than your traditional, you know, aggregator retailer uh, brands. Um, and are do you have any kind of data from Shogun that says, hey, you know, we're installed, you know, 20% uh, of our merchants are B2B merchants, 20, you know, 80% of them are B2C merchants, or do you have a, a breakdown of that in any way, meaningful way, or just anecdotally, are you seeing the same trend I am, which is that a lot of B2B businesses and a lot of B2B verticals that were traditionally, you know, led by field sales reps and account managers and BDMs and, and real relationship-based verticals, auto parts and other sort of traditional verticals that weren't always you know keen on automation weren't keen on e-commerce were were much more you know maybe even about physical b2b stores uh as well and, and a big store estate because of that person-to-person -person requirement um are you seeing especially because of the pandemic are you seeing b2b merchants get religion in a new way and in a new wave about e-commerce and really starting to want to understand what this whole e-commerce thing is about and either address the fact that maybe they haven't even looked at their e-commerce site in 10 years and it's legacy and it's crappy and it's a terrible experience uh, and maybe it's got a limited catalog and they want to upgrade that dramatically and become modern as of 2021 or they've never had e-commerce at all, which is what I'm seeing more of in the B2B space and they're actually getting religion about commerce and deciding, hey, we have to have a world-class e-commerce experience because our B2B customers are requiring it. They're asking for it. They're saying we need self-service tooling. You know, we need to be able to request quotes electronically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So is that a trend you're seeing as well? This is a fantastic question. 
And I'd say that I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, so much of an expert in the space or don't have data so um, readily that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a place to really opine on it. But I would say that, you know, anecdotally, even Shogun Page Builder, we have B2B, you know, quite a, a lot of B2B clients. Um, I don't know the exact um, amount, um, but just uh, obviously having been very close to our client base for the past six years, um, I know off the top of my head of some very, very large um, B2B companies that have uh, extensive amounts of their front end built in, even in Shogun Page Builder. And with, um, with Shogun Front End, uh, even in the initial, you know, whatever it was, you know, the, the first dozen clients, um, that we um, that we had signed up, um, you know, a couple of them be clients, um, and so um, so I am not particularly surprised, um, and I would imagine that you know um, if you think about it, our behavior as humans, everything is shifting to be digital. We jump online, right? You know that that's the new behavior, and so it's a, whether it's whether it's consumer, whether whether it's in work, it is uh, no surprise um, to me at all. Um, you know that um, that B two B is B two B commerce is is seen it would be seen a very sharp uptick. Pretty much, I mean, you look at these you know these e commerce quote unquote websites, right? These are highly you know highly dynamic, sophisticated pieces of uh, you know pieces of technology. Some of these websites, um, and um, it's no surprise that uh, you know they're basically it's software, right? And it's no surprise that these uh, that these large businesses. You know whether you're, um, you know, a shipping company or uh, whatever you make, you make containers for businesses or whatever. Um, you know, are uh, are saying, hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna take uh, a lot of this infrastructure that our company has that can be quite capital intensive, and we're gonna productize it. You know, and we're gonna turn it into um, into a website or a web app or you know wh whatever you want to call it. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, so software eats the world. It absolutely does. Well, Nick, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Really appreciate having you on the At The Coalface podcast. I'd love to get you back on in six or 12 months time, hear how, you know, Shogun front end is, is doing in the market and, 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 you know, discuss any of the current trends at the time. So again, thank you very much for your time. And I look forward to uh, speaking with you again soon, mate. That sounds great. It was an honor. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Thanks for listening to the At The Coalface podcast. If you want more At The Coalface, you can subscribe to our premium e-commerce and digital newsletter at The Coalface Digest.